Welcome to a new Fifth Step podcast. My name is Chris Don, and today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray uh, about GDP, GDPR, your suppliers. Um, I've laid the weakest link in your GDPR chain, in your supply chain. Darren, um, are they? They certainly can be. So under the GDPR, there's two types of uh, individual or organisation that are identified. There's the data controller, so that's the organisation or entity that decides on the purpose for processing and what data is collecting. So in an insurance company setting, that is the insurance company themselves. Um, in other settings, so in a retailer, it will be the retailer themselves, for example. Um, in a bank, it will be the bank. So fairly obvious from that perspective. Now, there's also um, uh, data processors, and there can also be data subprocessors, but we're just going to deal with data processors as uh, the overall type. So a data processor is an organisation or a person who processes the data on behalf of the data controller. Now, it's important to mention here that doesn't mean that an employee of the bank or the insurance company or the retailer is a data processor. It is actually a separate company or entity. Mm. Okay? Yeah. And under those terms, the, um, the data processor only, must only process the data in the way that the data controller has got agreement to process it on all the legal basis under which they're processing that data. And if they don't, guess what? The data controller is liable. The data processor may be liable too, but that's cold comfort if the data um, data controller is actually liable as well. Yeah. So in, I'm just trying to think in terms of uh, industries where, where there are multiple you know, counterparties involved in uh, data control and data processing. So insurance is obviously a very good example where there are people, you know, there are underwriters, carriers, there are insurance brokers, there are retail brokers, there are reinsurers. You know, people it's that claims are processors, claims processors, yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff. It goes all the way. You know, there could be eight or nine different people in the insurance value chain. So that's you know, so you might be potentially having to look at some eight or nine different you know, you know subcontractors uh, or vendors, vendors who that's are right. you up. Yeah, and to add slightly to the complexity and not to confuse the situation, I hope. Um, there can be multiple data controllers. So, for example, a broker um, in the value chain that you've just spoken about there, a broker may require certain information to be provided that isn't required by the end insurer. So they are a data controller as well. So it could be that, you know, um, if it's someone, that, do they store your customer data in their own systems along with other client data? I mean, there would be risks inherent in that, wouldn't there? Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the requirements of a data processor is that they can identify the data and where it's come from. So which client of theirs the data has actually come from so in the case of a um, you know of an insurer who is passing information to a claims handler for example to an external claims handler um, that external claims handler must be able to understand which data has come from which insurer and um, if requested be able to delete or amend or um, you know take action against a particular set of data from a particular client how do you how do you decide you know, who's got access to the data? Um, who how how important is that as part of the decision well, it's, making process? It's very important, um, Chris, to understand who's got access to the data because obviously you want to have as few people as possible having access to the data. So only those individuals and those entities who require access to the data should actually have physical access to it. So what do you need to do then to you know, perform, a, presumably you need to do some form of due diligence on these people, what, what are, what are the, the top tips that you can provide? You know, yeah, to help people to do that? let's just uh, run through uh, a few of those. So um, 
performing vendor due diligence or supplier due diligence before you actually take on a new vendor. You're making sure that they are GDP, GDPR compliant. If they're outside of the EEA, then you have to make sure that you've got a good strong contract in place, um, for example, but making sure in the first instance that they understand what GDPR is and what it needs to do. Mm. So there, there are th- yeah, one of the issues, I guess, then is the uh, understanding the data purpose. That's always mm. pretty, pretty key to this, isn't it? Yeah, ensuring that your vendors or suppliers understand your requirements. So um, that means they need to understand what your data purpose is because that's the only legal basis on which they can process this personal data. Um, they must understand your data protection standards and requirements, and they must understand your company's security standards and requirements, and they must understand your organisation's retention periods and standards. Okay, so all of those things have to have to come in, and they have to be communicated from um, from the data controller to the the data uh, processor. You know, to, so to the supplier. So there's an onus there on the. The data controller, the controlling organisation, to have that that conversation, uh, include it within the contract to make sure that everything is um, is up that the vendor is up to speed. So, do you need to have a really long, in-depth conversation with your in-house lawyers or external lawyers if you if you employ those, or is that something that you, know, you do? I mean, do you have a fine legal mind that, you know, to help people understand all the intricacies <laughs> of these 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 things? Well, our recommendation is you always speak to um, you know in-house legal team or ex- external legal, um, you know, when looking at um, you know policies and uh, contracts. You know, that's good advice. You know, Fifth Step isn't a law firm. We don't pretend to be, um, you know, as much as we can read contracts and understand contracts um, and even provide some input. Um, you know, we wouldn't uh, want to be the final say on that. We'd still, uh, you know, um, want organisations to ensure that their contracts are reviewed by others, mm. um, you know, uh, by, a le- by in-house legal or external legal, as is appropriate. And we're in a, 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 fair, no, a pretty... Um Strong sort of mergers and acquisition sort of environment at the moment, haven't we? Absolutely. There's been, you know, in, in you know, in London, for example, XL Catlin just been taken over by Axa. There's expected to be all sorts of consolidation. So, this is another tick. You know, what I was going to say tick box, but I'll, I shouldn't utter those dirty words. But uh, <laughs> but you need to be, you know, understand the minutiae um, of what's going on in the other organisation if you're looking to go into such a thing. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, uh, from a uh, a due diligence perspective around mergers and acquisitions, GDPR is, um, you know, needs to be front and centre, and that is something, as you know, Chris, that um, you know, FISTEP does help um, clients with. Uh, we can help them understand the um, the maturity of their the target organisation, so the the company they're looking to buy, and indeed if they're looking to be acquired, so if they're you know if they're, they're getting themselves sell ready. Um, then um, helping them uh, ensure that they are GDPR compliant and can demonstrate that to any purchaser because GDPR compliance and the limiting of exposure to uh, data breaches and uh, fines from the ICO is going to be you know, front and centre of uh, organisations' buyers' minds. GDPR went live or went officially live on the, the 25th of May um, has there been, um, you know, have people been coming to you at the last minute with requests for information about what they're doing right or doing wrong, but, and particularly um, when it comes to the, you know, the vendor management side of things? How, how have you been finding your conversations going? All of above, uh, Chris. It's amazing. There are some organisations who 
um, who have left it very late. And you know, we understand that there's no judgment from uh, from Fifth Step. We understand that this is uh, something um, that needs to be done, and it's not been necessarily the, the top priority for some organisations. But there's some there are some who have left it quite late. There are some who have been let down by suppliers, other suppliers who um, are not nearly as diligent as uh, as they should be or as uh, Fifth Step is and they haven't actually got them to the point where they are GDPR compliant or as close as they need to be in uh, at this stage. And in respect to the vendor management piece, um, uh, yes, there are organisations who uh, have either suddenly realised or just haven't got to it in their process that you know the vendors are, the vendors are an important part of this process. You know, it's partly what prompted this this podcast, really, is to get that information out uh, to yeah. help organisations understand that. And this is not uh, just limited to GDPR, I guess. I mean, there are multiple sort of uh, data protection uh, jurisdictions all, all, all over the world, aren't there? I mean, whether it's in North America, South America, Far East, I yep. mean, uh, they, they, presumably uh, they face very similar kinds of problems and challenges. They absolutely do. And, um, yeah, the, the requirements that are within GDPR... Um, in some respects pave the way but they are very quickly you know copied and emulated and um, improved upon in some respects um, in, ju- in other jurisdictions but the, there's a common aspect there of you know vendors are an exposure for you so you know let's take um, financial services regulation in New York for example where the New York Department of Financial Services have implemented their NYDFS um, CRR 500 uh, requirement um, and the SEC, so the Securities and Exchange Commission, also in the US, um, so for financial services uh, organisations there, they both have a requirement around vendors and vendor management. So who who uh, who owns this um, issue then, you know, when it comes to vendor management? Is this the, you know, the CIO? Is it the COO, the, the FD, the, the chief exec? It will vary between organisations very often. Um, for organisations that have um, a... Uh, a procurement um, function, then very often it will belong to them. Um, ultimately, it will probably end up as part of uh, the COO's responsibilities or CFOs, or indeed the chief risk officers in some instances, uh, depending on uh, the, the type of organisation, their industry sector, um, and their maturity in this space. Hmm. So would you uh, recommend holding regular supplier management meetings to, to, to control this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got to make sure that your suppliers are are doing their job full stop anyway. Um, and GDPR and data protection and you know breach management and service level agreements, making sure that all of those are in place and being adhered to is just you know it's just good business practice anyway. Many organizations don't do it as well as they should, um, let's be honest. But GDPR is really going to start to uh, force that um, force that issue into um, into some clarity because if you don't do that and your vendors are having breaches or are, are having data leaks that you don't know about um, and they're not communicating them to you uh, at all, um, then you know you're not uh, you, you're not going to be GDPR compliant and you're very quickly going to um, start to get complaints and potentially get uh, data protection authority investigations. So with, with all things, as with all things GDPR, as I've discovered over the last few weeks, um, I've been you know, dealing a lot with this on behalf of all sorts of people when it comes to media mm. and you know, this kind of thing. But what I sort of seem to be learning is that the risk of non-compliance, there's, there's a great risk there, but there's actually a really good opportunity, isn't there, to, you know, to use this to improve your business you know, the way, and, the, and the way it operates. 
Chris, I always believe that um, governance and compliance is a, is a real pain, but taken in the right spirit, um, you can actually improve your business off of the back of it because very often governance compliance is just about doing the right thing and being able to demonstrate that you're doing the right thing. Now, if you're not doing the right thing, um, uh, it can be a lot of work sometimes to, to change your business processes, but it's very much just about doing the right thing. So in that, there are opportunities. There are opportunities to demonstrate that you're, you know, you're doing more than is required. You're not just doing the, you know, the minimum requirements of the, the, the regulation or the requirement. Um, and that can be attractive to some organisations who want to pitch themselves there. Um, equally, um, it can be attractive that uh, organisations are doing just what's required because uh, you know that can be burdensome on um, the end customer sometimes. Um, so you know if they can actually streamline things and make it as easy as possible, uh, remove as much of the friction or that may be generated by other compliance that the way that other competitors have implemented that compliance, for example, that can be attractive. So. It, you're right, there are business opportunities, there are opportunities to change your target operating model, um, your business processes, your computer systems, and ideally to remove as much friction as possible from the process um, and improve efficiency. Okay, so well, you heard it here first, that was Darren Ray quoting famous 1980s uh, hip-hop director Spike Lee to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily enough, we're not going to break into uh, break into any song this afternoon, no. at least not on mic. No, no, we'll do that afterwards. No, we'll do that in a minute. Okay, well, I think that's covered off all we wanted to talk about today. Um, as ever, um, do the right thing and uh, you know, visit the... Uh, Fifth Step website, uh, so www.fifthstep.com, that's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com, and you'll find a, a lot of uh, interesting blogs, white papers, podcasts like such as the one we've just recorded, and even you know a few YouTube videos uh, knocking around where we've uh, we've shown our faces for radio. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely right. And also, don't forget to follow us on um, social media. We're on um, LinkedIn. You find Fifth Step there, and you'll find uh, Darren Ray there, and also Chris Dawn. Uh, so do please uh, follow us on social media, and we're at Fifth Step F I F T H S T E P on Twitter as well. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Darren. Thanks very much. Thank you.